Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21 uh, this morning. So we are people, um, and I'm not just saying Bear Valley Church, but uh, humans are people that because of being born into sin, we are self-centered people. And unfortunately, much of the time, uh, self-centered people... uh, make for themselves self-centered religion. And this idea that says, I'm the only one that matters. If I'm okay, who cares about anybody else? Uh, What's most important is what I want to do today. It's what I want to have. It's what my schedule is, the schedule that I made for myself. And we move our life, we try to manipulate our life and set up our life in such a way that it is good for me, good for me. And uh, unfortunately, God doesn't leave us there. Uh, He challenges us to think in a different way. He doesn't leave us in a self-centered state, but shows us how small we are. And this morning, we're, we're going to get in one of those passages that might blow your mind, might be too much for you. Uh, you might argue with it in your own mind. It might uh, ruin your own man-made theology. Uh, and you might feel really small and out of control. And you see the, the plan that God has, and it's much greater, and you still feel very small. And I want to tell you, God wants you to be small. Uh, Famous quote, I don't know if he really said it or not, it's just famous. I saw it on the internet. Uh, Winston Churchill talked about one of his uh, adversaries, political adversaries, and he said he's a a humble man, and he's got much to be humble about. And uh, I, I think about that, and I go, that could be said of us, right? Uh, we love to brag and we love to make grand our accomplishments, the little we have done. But the reality is we're very small. We're very small. And yet you see the plan of, plan of God. I, I want to tell you the plan of God is magnificent and far greater than we can understand. And we are so small in the midst of it. And yet as we look at the love that God has for us. It's amazing how he could love us so extravagantly, we being so small. And so uh, we see ourselves in light of God's plan. We see ourselves as very small, but yet we're very rich in what God has given us. And that's what we're going to see this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 20 and 21. Please stand in honor of God's word. I'd like to read, read it for you. Actually, I'd like to start in verse 17, and uh, this morning we're going to just look at verses 20 and 21. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from your futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ 
like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We thank you for the time that we could spend in it. We ask that you give us great wisdom and insight and clarity. God, help us to remove any of our own thoughts and just hear from your word. And as a child would listen to his father, may we do the same. God, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I I got a lot to say. I I know that because I have three pages of notes, and I usually have two, so it's going to go 1.5 longer uh, than usual. I will try to hurry. We we looked a long time ago, long time ago. We're in 2020, January, the last Sunday in January. And the last time we were in uh, 1 Peter was, I think, the second week of December. Okay, we talked about the Lamb of God, uh, the, the verse just prior, the verse 19, where it speaks of the Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God being the one that we were redeemed with, that, that Jesus himself came to this earth to be this special sacrificial lamb, not like silver gold that's uh, really expensive but not worth anything compared to the Lamb of God. Uh, of Jesus, that he was sacrificed that we might be redeemed, that we might be saved uh, from the sins that we have committed. This morning, uh, Jeremy picked some great songs that talk about our sins and that we're the ones that we're guilty of, that, that we did, and how uh, because of what Christ has done, he, we, we gained forgiveness. Uh, we gain freedom from. And what an amazing thing that is. And to connect it, it's all because of Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, being the one that would take our place. This morning, uh, we're going to look at just verses 20 and 21. And I, I want to warn you that it might be bigger than we can understand this morning. It, there's going to be some things that you don't understand and I don't understand. Maybe you will understand them and you can explain them to me afterwards, okay? Uh, I don't doubt that that could be true this morning. But as I've thought through these things, I must rely on the Word of God. I, I want to encourage you that all we are always doing is going back to the Word of God and trying to understand what God has already written. And that may not fit in to your thoughts of God. I've heard so many times, I can't believe in a God that, you know. Um, And the, the question is not whether you can believe in him or not. The question is, is that who he is? Is this what he has said? And for us to fit our ideas into what has been revealed. And this this morning uh, will be a challenge for all of us. We're going to have really two points and then an implication, okay? Before time and now time, and then the implications of these two things. So first, as you look down at verse 20, you'll see before time. It says this, that he was chosen before the creation of the world. 
he was chosen. If you go in context, you know it's the lamb was chosen. The lamb was chosen. This word chosen, you can go to uh, the first part of you know the same chapter, just at the beginning, uh, as you look at his greeting, Peter's greeting to these people. He says this. Um, I, I want I want you to get this because it's really important as we connect these things together. In chapter one, verse one, it says this: Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. He uses these words uh, knowledge, foreknowledge um, and elect and that is termed the, the doctrine of election uh, in the Scripture. This is spoken of also in the book of Romans, also in the book of Ephesians, or the big ones right there, uh, where it speaks of this idea that God has chosen His people. And as we look at this this morning, it, it's, very, it, it's the same type wording, but now it's speaking of Jesus. And, and it says to us, this word chosen is a word um, that it's, it gives the idea of, uh, of knowing, knowing, but not just knowing, knowing before, knowing before. Um, just to skip ahead, there's a time stamp here. We're going to get to it. It says when? Before creation. Before creation. And so uh, it's knowing beforehand. Well, what is it knowing beforehand? That... There's going to be a lamb, a redeemer, to come. And it says that, uh, really picturing this, that God the Father chose the Son, Jesus, beforehand. Beforehand. He foreknew. And which also gives us the, the picture of foreordaining. Um, different translations that we use uh, The one I hold in my hand here is the English Standard Version. It's in our pews in front of you. Uh, It's the one that I use. And I I just want to encourage you, no translation is perfect, okay? It's translated by men. Uh, What we believe here is that uh, inspired and errant word of God in the original manuscripts, uh, not in the translations. And so we work through the translations. So anyways, uh, in this translation that I'm using, it says chosen. In the New American Standard, it says foreknown. In the NIV, it uses the word chosen again. King James um, and New King James use the word foreordained, foreordained. And this giving the picture of this, that God know, knew the plan beforehand. You know why? It was his plan. It was his plan, okay? It's interesting. Uh, how many of you are planners? How many of you are planners? Funny people. Funny people. Uh, because you plan, and uh, it's so frustrating when your plan doesn't come together, isn't it? Oh, man. It's like fly in the ointment. Sometimes it's worse. It's the broom handle and the wheel of progress. And we go sailing over the handles. And we say, this is not what I planned. 
And why, didn't, why weren't you able to accomplish your plan? I, forgive me for talking about this too long for some of you. You're like, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, the reason you couldn't accomplish your plan is because you aren't in control. You aren't powerful enough. You can't see the future. And so we look to our Heavenly Father and we realize He can. He is all these things. He's not limited like we are to accomplish His plan. And so we, we use this word. We use this word. Uh, this is part of Greek speech that to talk about something, to be foreordained, to be foreknown, to already know it to be true. And what is this? That there is going to be a Redeemer, a Lamb that is to come. <clears throat> Some of you have already jumped there in your mind. Um, but uh, what's hard for me to understand, I'll tell you as the pastor here this morning, that there was already a Redeemer in place prior to there being anybody needing to be redeemed. Sorry to give you a headache. Some of you are tapping out right now. You're saying, I'm not going to listen to another thing. That was enough for me. What I want to tell you, it's, it says it in God's Word. That there was a Redeemer. There was a pre-existent Redeemer in place, chosen as part of His plan. Um, this is the plan of the Father. We see this. That he was chosen, it doesn't say who he is, but we uh, understand that from the context that the, God the Father chose the Son. Um, we, we see this plan of the Father, and I, I want you to be careful to not uh, make... Whose plan was it? It was the Father's plan. It was the Father's plan. That does not mean that it wasn't Christ's plan as well. Uh, we... Don't uh, separate uh, the Trinity in such a way to think that they were having this conversation and uh, God, came, the Father came up with a plan and Jesus goes, oh, wait a minute here. That's not my plan. Uh, even though we, we talk about him, uh, not my will, but yours be done, this idea is that they were in complete unity in the redeeming of sinful mankind. At an awful price of Jesus on the cross. And so we see this, that the plan of the Father is coming out and being worked out in the Son. You think about plans. Um, this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God. What about your plan? What about your plan? Uh, some of you have had plans for your own salvation. You had your own ideas on how you were going to get there. Uh, things, ways you were going to tackle this through whatever. But your plan, it was your plan. It was your ideas. People have these today. Uh, you say, you, you talk to an average person that doesn't walk with the Lord, and you say, tell me about yourself, or tell me what you believe. And they have this really intricate view of life. It's their plan. It's their plan. It's not God's plan. It's their plan. Maybe others say are following a man's plan. And when I say that, uh, it's not theirs. They are following uh, a person who has a well-developed philosophy on the plan of life. 
and how one uh, is saved or how one is good and how one is, lives their life. And they're following a man. They're, they're not following necessarily their plan, but they're following a man's sort of plan. Could be any, could be um, a cult type thing, but it could also be just simply uh, a person who is uh, trying to live a good life now. You have your plan, you have man's plan. Or maybe for others, it's this idea that there's some kind of mystical plan out there that no one has identified and it just sort of happens. Mother Nature. Who is she and where, where does she live, you know? Who is Mother Nature? Uh, how do things just happen? It just happens. I've heard people say that. They, they look at events of this life and they say, it just happens. It's just bad luck or good luck or, or something. There's some kind of outside source of, or force even, the, the idea that, that something else is out there, doesn't have a name, it's not something personal, it's just some power out there that has a plan, and this plan is coming to fruition. I remember growing up, forgive me for dating myself, but in the 80s, I watched too much TV, bad parenting, my dad's, you can talk to my dad, he'll be in the second service. Um, but I watched too much TV, but I love commercials. I love them. Uh, I thought they were really funny. And one of my favorite ones was, it, it stood out in my mind even as a, uh, the Reese's peanut butter cup ones. And they would always have two clueless people, one eating chocolate, the other one eating peanut butter, and they bump into each other. And the, the one in the chocolate goes like this, and they each get a part of it. And, hey, you, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter and my chocolate. And then they, all, they take a bite, and there's this aha moment. Amazing, amazing. And so we have today Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Some of you, your picture of salvation looks like that. You're living life and you're just doing whatever you're doing and you slip into sin. Oops, you know, oops, I, I slipped into sin and I didn't really want to be here, but here I am, stuck up to my eyeballs in sin, stuck there. And I'm just wandering around and I, I just happened to bump into a loving God who loved me so much that he would send his son Jesus that would happen to be the sacrifice that I would need so that I could get saved and be with him forever. What an amazing thing. Uh, Let me ask you, let me ask you, was that an accident? Did that so happen through your bumblings of life that you just happened to be in the right place at the right time? The word we have here is chosen. The idea of being foreknown, uh, to be foreordained. That God himself chose his son, his lamb, to come and to redeem those who are lost. I told you earlier about the time stamp. It's very interesting. Uh, it's hard for us to grasp. Um, 
But as you look at this, you see the timestamp of being before the creation of the world. You have time, beginning and end. We don't necessarily know the first date. And we don't necessarily know the last date either, by the way, because we're right in there, you know. But we know there is a beginning. We know there will be an end of time down here on this earth. He says, before the creation of the world. I hope that triggers in you something up here that says, didn't I hear something like that before? Uh, if you would look, at, you could just write it down, check it later. Or if you don't trust me now, you can look at it now. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, it, it speaks of our own salvation, and he says, before the foundation of the world. And so we look at our own salvation as being understood or being foreknown before the foundation of the world. And before the creation of the world, we also see Jesus being identified and foreknown as the Redeemer, the Lamb. I realize this is a lot. I realize this is a, hard to understand and go, ugh. See some of the veins popping out in the sides of your head. Um, so we see before anyone sinned that Jesus was chosen to be the Redeemer. And just, just I, I think the important part of this this morning for us is, know this. There was and is a plan of God. There was and is a plan of God. And, and right now, and right now, um, we are in the midst of the plan of God being worked out. That, that God is a, at work today. And what is He doing? He's calling people to Himself. He's drawing people to salvation. He's strengthening His church and preparing them, not that we would be down here forever, but that He would be working on us until He takes us home. And so we know, we understand that the plan of God, uh, there is a plan of God, and we are in the middle of it right now. Know this, that we are not afterthoughts. We are forethoughts, right? Part of his plan is not that he would go, oh, no, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that mess that Kevin made down there. I, I, I can't believe he wandered. He knew, he knew. And as part of his plan, his foreordained, foreknown plan was that he would have and send his son to be my Savior. Amazing. That was before time. Before time. Now we see uh, the second part is the now time. And, and the, in the grammar, the Greek grammar, it's kind of like this. On one hand, on one hand, he was chosen. He, he was chosen before, uh, before creation. On one hand. On the other hand, that's what we're going to get to right now. And that's now sort of time. And I, I say now, I realize that uh, this is when Christ came and when he died on the cross, but it is in now this sort of period down here on this earth. It says this, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Revealed. I feel kind of dumb because um, I, kind of the rhythm of, that I've chosen to preach is that, you know, you come to December and then you focus on Christ coming. You know, it's Christ coming, prophecy, uh, things that uh, help us celebrate the birth of Christ. 
And so I, what I do is I, I go through my study and I'm plowing through a book. And then somewhere end of November, early December, I take a pause. I take a pause and I go on to other things. Why did I take a pause? That's so, so dumb. Uh, I thought I was being smart just talking about the Lamb of God because that kind of flowed into why Jesus came. But verses 20 and 21 are perfect, perfect for uh, when you talk about Christ coming. Verse 20, uh, as we look at this, uh, we see the now sort of time, but was revealed in these last time for your sake. The one who had pre-existed, the, the planet happened before, right? The planet happened before, enters into time. Enters into time. When? When? When he came as a baby. I, I don't think it's just his coming as a baby. I think it's really his whole life, at least from baby to him resurrecting from the dead. But this idea is that he came. Uh, sometimes this is hard for us to um, hard for us to grasp, but uh, when we think of Jesus coming, uh, a lot of times we think of, "Oh, isn't that nice? He visited Earth." Yeah, I bet you he liked it down here, didn't he? I bet you, you know, I, I bet you he liked you know mornings and the sunrise and the sunset and hanging out with his friends and you know. If he would have come to Bear Valley, he would have loved it here. You know, it's just such a great place and see the elk. And like, you know, we, we think in such man-centered terms. But if you can understand the intimacy just a little bit that he had with the Father and the Spirit and the idea of leaving the right hand of the Father to come down here for what he was going to do uh, is a huge, huge piece for us to try to grasp that he was revealed in these last times. He, he came and appeared on the earth. We use the word uh, at Christmas time a lot as we speak of Christ coming as the incarnation. It's one of the, really the central, one of the central teachings of Christians is that God became flesh and that he took on the, the form and the body of a man and he gave himself. On the cross for us, I think the you know one of the ways that we can picture, and maybe this is too hard for you to think through, but he busts into history, he busts into it. There's a sense of it just kind of going on and on and on, and people are making a mess out of things, and they're always fighting, and they're always sinning, and they're always selfish, and they're always proud, and, and kingdoms come, and kingdoms go, and kings and rulers think of themselves as gods, and they've been brought down. Like, there's all these things that just keep going on, and at God's appointed time, it's just, you know, I love cop shows when they are, you know, the, the Bad guys are in the house. They're doing whatever bad guys do. They're just hanging out and bragging about the last bad thing they did. And then you see on the outside, the, the cops are at the door and, and they're unsuspecting. And then all of a sudden, it's like, now's the time. They kick in the door and everything changes. That's the picture here. That, that Christ appeared to an unsuspecting world. I say unsuspecting. It's not that there wasn't prophecy about it, right? 
But it, but it was this sense of like the lull to sleep over time, over years, over hearing the stories and uh, wanting their own things. They didn't, and then Christ comes on the scene and he appears. He, he, he changes everything. You see, once again, that plan, that plan that was started before creation, before uh, the foundation of the world, before that plan before is going along and, and people think, well, maybe he's not coming. Maybe, you know, Second Peter talks a little bit of that, like, you know, the, the plan of God, like, how does this all come about? Where are we in the plan of God? Well, when God wants to work and it's according to his clock, if you will, his watch, he says, now's the time Jesus comes to the earth. And he appears. And this idea of appearing is that he is showing himself. It's interesting, too, that uh, it's not just, you know, we have recorded for us the events of his birth, not much of his childhood, but then of his teaching later on and a lot about him going to the cross. This is all his a public presentation of himself. You know, there, there's many insignificant people who have walked the face of the earth. Most of them live in Tehachapi. But, um, uh, but, but Jesus was known even by unbelievers, right? They know of Jesus. Why? Because he appeared, he made himself known. Um, he marked history. He was revealed. To an unsuspecting world, he comes and changes everything. It says he did this in the last times, and uh, it's kind of hard for us to understand. We go, how is that the last times? Because it was so long ago. But, but the idea being this, that it's not the time before the foundation of the world. It's not even the time of the Old Testament. It, it's not... Uh, you know, it's not the time where they didn't know about Christ. It, it is now a, a different time, a different time, a time of the revelation of Jesus himself. He is now revealed. He is now revealed, no longer waiting and hoping for the Messiah. We know him to be Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. This is very important. Maybe, maybe you would read over this. Sometimes I've read over this. As I've read through the book of First Peter and I heard this over and over again and familiar and even preached to it. But, but do you get this? Uh, it says, but he was revealed in the last time for your sake. <laughs> for your sake. That's a powerful, powerful couple of words there, right? <laughs> Three words. He was revealed for your sake. He came for you. He came for you. This is what I was talking about earlier. So, so as you see this magnificent, hard-to-understand plan of God that far beyond you, you go, I'm feeling smaller as, as you preach, Pastor. I'm feeling smaller. And then you come to this, and it says, He came for your sake. Think about that. I realize that uh, most of us think we're a big deal anyways. But as we look at this, and it's an amazing thing, uh, us being sinners, needing to be rescued and redeemed, uh, Jesus came for us. 
there's this intense reason that he came. He didn't come because it was just something to do. I picture, and maybe this is a bad illustration, uh, is your health is just terrible. Some of you are all, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, and and you, you feel like you're dying, maybe even having a heart attack. And uh, you're laying there on the floor of your own home and uh, there, there comes to the door and it's an ambulance. It's an ambulance. And they say, we come for you. We've come to help you. We know you need rescuing. And you say, you know what? I'm really busy today. I got, I got a really thick schedule. I, I think I can do it on my own, actually. I, you know, this, is, this whole heart problem is just, you know, I, I, I can take care of it. I can take care of it. They said, no, no, we want to take you. We want to take you and we want to uh, fix you and correct you and make you well and healthy again. He said, no, no, I, I really got a lot to do. And yet the reality is, as part of the plan of God, Him knowing that we were dead in our sins, He sent us a Savior according to His plan that we might respond to Him as part of His plan. I realize that the typical response to Jesus is, I don't need Him, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm not like one of those people out of the prison in Tehachapi. I'm not like one of those people that, you know, are in Washington. and uh, We shouldn't even go there. Uh, Day like today, we should not go there. Uh, What was I talking about again? We're not that bad. We're not that bad. But know this, know this. Scripture says we are that bad. We're far worse, actually. We're far worse shaped than we think we are. And God, as part of His plan, yet a Redeemer. Redeemer, chosen to redeem men. Chosen to redeem those who are lost in their sins. I think some of us look upon Jesus as an inconvenient Savior. He doesn't fit into my mold. He doesn't, yeah, I, I can't believe in a God. I don't think of Him like that. I have a picture of God that's different. I want to tell you, throw out your picture of God. Read the scripture. It's revealed to you himself. He's given you his word that you might know. Not your own thoughts, but his. A lot of us uh, feel like we're kind of busy. Too busy to think about God who loves us. You know, I'm raising kids right now, and I don't, you know, I got... I got mommy brain and daddy brain and half a brain and other stuff. And I just don't have time for that right now to think all that through. I, didn't, I haven't slept in like three weeks. I, I want to tell you, it's more important than that. To know the gospel that comes from the word of God, the person of Jesus. And we'll say, well, you know, we got a lot of activities and events, you know, uh, my kids on this team and that team and they're singing and dancing and doing whatever. I want to tell you it's more important than that. The college student might say, yeah, yeah I'm young. I, I, I got time. I, I, I got a lot going on. I'm trying to get my career going. I'm trying, I want to tell you it's more important than that. Maybe older people say, well, you know, I, I, I've thought about that stuff, but I don't have any problems. I got health problems now. I'm, going, I'm too busy. I got... Eight doctor's appointments down in Bakersfield next week. Jesus is telling us that he came as part of the plan of God 
for sinners, to redeem them as the Lamb of God. Well, now we have implications for us. We see in verse 21, and it's speaking of this one that was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but came for your sake and my sake. He came for us. He didn't come for himself. He didn't come because it sounded like a fun thing to do. He came for sinners. Verse 21, we see this. Who through him, the one who came, are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. It's through him. It's through him. It's through Jesus Christ. Right now, right now, as you think about why you're okay, why you're right with God, why you're ready to die, there's only one answer. There's only one right answer. There's a lot of wrong answers, but there's only one right answer. It's because of Jesus Christ. That's our only answer. It's not about so other ideas and thoughts or I'm going to try hard and do good. It's not about trying hard and doing good. It's about trusting in Jesus. It's through Him. It's not through the philosophies of man. It's not through the idea of uh, the general thinking of our culture and our time and our world today. It's not our combined good ideas. Like often we get together as fam- a family or families and we say, you know, uh, this is the way we live. We figured it out. I want to tell you, that will not save you. It's through Him. Through Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. We're getting there. Third page. It says this, uh, the wording's kind of rough. Uh, it's hard for us to understand and to translate. But it says this in verse 21. It says that uh, who through him are believers in God. Believers in God. That through Jesus we become believers in God. That we, we ha- now have relationship through him. We are now believers. We do not do it on our own. God acted in history uh, and, and tells us two things about his act and his uh, doing for his son, Jesus. The first thing he says in verse 21 about this is this. He says that uh, our believers in God who raised him from the dead, number one, and gave him glory. Two things. And, and this, you need to see the progression in the passage. I should have preached this as a whole, but if you go back, uh, the Lamb of God was sacrificed, right? He died. And then what? God the Father raised him from the dead. That's how this progresses. That, that Jesus came, he came, to be that sacrifice. And then as that sacrifice, he was raised from the dead. The Father raised the Son. Once again, in different passages, it talks about Jesus being raised and how he raised himself and these other things. But know this, that as part of the plan of God, he raised the Son. And and, and this idea being 
um, very important for us to grasp in the resurrection is that the father was satisfied. He was satisfied with the, the gift of his son. That his son's death was sufficient. And so as accepting of that, he raised him from the dead. Not just raising him from the dead in satisfaction, but knowing this, that we follow Jesus who is alive. He is not dead. He conquered death and he satisfied the the payment. And so in that, he was raised from the dead. That was the first piece. The second piece, and to give him glory. Having his work accepted by the Father and the redemption complete, his glory is restored. His glory is restored. As you you think about different passages that that speak of the pre-existent Christ and where he was, I think especially of Philippians 2. But this idea of him being with the Father, coming down, uh, separating, coming down, and living as a human, giving himself on the cross, and the real separation coming there, right? Being resurrected, and then retaking that position, the right hand of the Father, glory restored. And then these simple words closing out verse 21, and so your faith and hope are in God. The plan of God. And so your faith and hope are in God. It's not in your works. It's not in the things that you can do. It's not in hoping for a better day or the sun to come out or, or our world becoming progressively better. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we're getting better. How we land here is this, that our faith and hope are in God. We now have a Godward life because of embracing the Savior. Our faith, we trust in Him. We look to Him for the future promises that He will complete them, the plan of God. So it leaves us as worshipers right now, right? Been doing our own things, looking our own ways, and because Christ has come, He's come for us, we now live a worshiping Godward life. Three things to tie this together this morning. I know it's been a lot. Uh, first thing is this. I, I just want to remind you, that the plan of God includes you and Jesus. You and Jesus. You see the plan of God, you've you got to think through, where do I fit into his plan? Where does Christ in his special place, where does he fit into my life? Second thing I want to tell you is stop what you're doing and remember that Jesus came for you. Came for you. The reason Christmas should be so special is that we're celebrating that Jesus came for us. And that when we think about Easter, his resurrection and the application of that, Jesus came for us. I want to tell you, that's a thought to live on today. Jesus came for you. Thirdly, thinking small of ourselves, remember the important place we have because of Jesus. Reminding that we're small, remember the important place that we have because of Jesus, as worshipers of God. This is what he's done for us.
Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. I, I pray that um, once again that you would clarify these thoughts in our minds and hearts, that you would cause us to walk faithfully with you, that we would rejoice at your plan. God, help us. God, help us that we would not miss our spot before you, that we would not see the distracting things of this world as just that, distracting us away uh, from the greatness of your plan. God, I ask that you would draw those here who maybe don't know you to yourself even right now. They would see their need for you and the greatness of your plan and respond in faith, placing their faith and hope in you and the sufficiency of your Son, the Redeemer, the sacrificial Lamb. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.